What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My loves, I am here to introduce this week's guest, Craig Stevens. Craig's an award-winning writer and producer, passionate about projects that explore social issues, human potential, and innovation. And we spoke with Craig about having difficult conversations with his teenage daughter. We'll see you on the other side. Well, really excited to sit down and talk with you, Craig. Um, a, a few weeks ago, uh, a CBC news story kind of came across our our uh, our radar. It was uh, through CBC Parents, and the title of it was "Kids Aren't Flipping Through an Old Penthouse Anymore; They're Potentially Watching Hardcore Porn." And uh, and I gotta say, when I read that article title, the first thing that popped up in my mind was this very, very deeply ingrained memory that I have as a, probably a, a, a 10 year old boy running through the woods in my, in my neighborhood with a couple of friends and stumbling across a really disgusting, wet, 
like Sobe's bag, plastic bag, and uncovering a treasure trove of nudie magazines. And we took that, that little treasure that we found and we hid it in another place in the woods. And we would come back to that bag full of like hustler and penthouse and jugs. I don't know. I don't know what the, what the, what the magazines were, would be now, but, um, and we would like go and, and sift through that magazine with such deep interest and fascination. And, and we knew what we were doing was wrong and we never told anyone. And it was like this fun little summer secret we had until one day we showed up and someone had found our stash and probably moved it somewhere else or took it home. Um, it's yeah, the, that was, that was my bag, by the way. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's just one bag. Aha. It's only one bag of porn in the woods that all of the people I know yeah. haven't found. Yeah. And everybody has that kind of, st- I mean, everyone yeah. that we like everyone our age kind of has that story. It's, it, another similar one that we had was my friend Ryan and I, we found his dad's, his dad's pe- uh, playboy stash mm. and, you know, would secretly go and look at that. But, um, the, we didn't have the internet and, mm-hmm. and now I, it's, it, it is very apparent that like that, that wet plastic bag in the woods is now just this phone I'm carrying in my hand or this laptop in my lap. Like it is, it is porn is so much more accessible. And the porn that I was looking at in those magazines is far different from what can be found through just a quick Google search, um, you know, far more intense, far more aggressive. So, so yeah. Craig, I, I guess the, the question is, is give us a little bit of context as to what, where did this, uh, article come from? You know, what was the inspiration here and, and how does this, how does this relate to you personally? Well, I, I think you just told sort of a universal story there that, um, happens to, I, I think a lot of young men, and, and in my day, it was the exact same thing. You either had a dad who had a Playboy collection or you'd stumble upon something in the woods and, and oh, my, my God, this is a treasure. Because that was, that was sort of your only exposure mm. to, to what uh, women look like. In my case, being a young man, that was kind of what was gold to me and what I was interested in. And, and again, I think that you hit the other part really on the head is, is that that was, that was all pre-internet days. And, and when I was young, it was basically we lived in a world of Playboy penthouse and that kind of thing, which was a much more tame um, kind, of, kind of erotica, if you will. Mm. And um, then, of course, the internet came along and like everything else, it, it really changed it. And um, you you have right now, uh, again, as you said, you have basically anything uh, in any area of interest uh, in human sexuality, you can find portrayals of it there. And that's both the good and, and the negative. And one thing that I wanted to emphasize in the article was I didn't want it to, to be, you know, say, hey, you know, I'm against porn or I'm for porn or all porn is bad, or all porn is good. I, I think it's like everything else, that there's, there's kind of a balance of what might be um, good for the healthy development of sexuality in a kid. 
And, and I mean, that's the, I see your, your is that a cat there? Uh, that, no, is a, right. that, that is a moving mop, also known as my puppy donut. I was close. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was, he was kind of disappearing between the rug and the chair. But, yeah. um, but no, it's a beautiful animal. Um, so yeah, so of course then the internet came along and it had this whole offering and none of this I would have given too much thought to at all until I became a father. Mm. And once, once that happens to um, a lot of the stuff that you, you know, took for granted or behaviors that you took for granted um, in my case, being, being a heterosexual male and having a daughter, you sort of have to, uh, or you don't have to, but you tend to gain a different perspective as your daughter grows up and you see kind of the, the world, their world through a young girl's eyes. Mm. And, the kinds of things that they might be exposed to and what kind of got to me interested in it just to really get back to the essence of, of your question was that um, I think we're in kind of an experiment because we've never mm. in, in human history, we've never had a time where that much of that material was so omnipresent and that people and particularly young people could uh, access at any time. And so that raises a lot of questions. I mean, what is the impact of it on young minds? And, and I mean, you can just flip through this study after study after study that has different perspectives on it. But I think that there are some negative ramifications that are proven to be coming out of um, the, the situation we're in now. And so then as a parent, the next question is, you know, what can you do about it? What, what will the impact be and what can you do about it? Mm. Well, I'm really curious. Um, so we kind of jumped in at the level of, okay, how do you talk to your kids or your daughter about porn? But what about just the the current sex education that exists and and like those conversations that you have to have before the porn mm. conversation with your kid? Did you find, what was that experience like for you? Well, I guess that kind of happens on two levels, right? There's, and I think it's probably different um, depending on where you reside and what the local boards are doing. But I was kind of amazed that I, I felt that there was a, 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 that sex education was a real afterthought, and and here in Ontario, and I think that once our current government came in, uh, it, it became less, even even more of an afterthought in terms of what people could teach in school. And there's, there's always this perpetual uh, little battle that's going on is that some parents really believe that kids should have education because they're real, realistic enough to appreciate that the kid's, every, the kid's going to be exposed to everything anyway. And so all you can do is just try and guide it uh, in the right direction. So um, I, I, of course, we support anything that can be helpful to kids um, in terms of sex education in school, because we just think that's really important. I don't think it's rocket science. It's, it's really important that particularly at that young age, that they should be getting a balance of, of input, especially when they're getting all of this negative stuff where they, where they might think if they're on the internet looking at porn, they might think that, you know, it's okay that it's violent. It's, it's okay that it can be degrading. It's objectification is okay. 
and all this stuff. And so I think education is really important to strike a balance. Now, that said, I think that <laughs> if every parent would say, hey, that's not always easy. And sometimes if you even address that subject with your kid, they might want to be running out of the room yeah, as quickly as possible. I certainly know I did when I was that age. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think it is a real challenge. And that's, that's, of course, counterpointed with everything we've been going through the last couple of years, mm. where kids in, in, in and out the situation feel that they've had so much taken away from them just because they can't, you know, they don't get their grads, they don't get their dances, they, they're always being hassled to put on masks and, and don't gather. So it's just a lot of stuff. For yeah. that age, and so that's what kind of got me writing the article. For you, for you in your house, did, did the what came first, the 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 sex talk or the porn talk? And and if the sex talk came first, how did that go? And then with the porn talk, have you had that? And how did that go com- in comparison to the sex talk? Well, I, th- there's two levels there, and and I, and I guess that's really depends on the age of the child at the time. I mean, I think when um, we were getting to about grade five or six or seven, we started to you know have that discussion of mm. you know this this is sort of that here's how life works kind of discussion, and that, and that was backed by the um, by the <clears throat> um, discussion about or by what they could take in school. Now, as far as the form goes, it was just a, that's another little thing because that's tied into what are, what are they looking at when they're online? And um, so you have to have some kind of control as much as you can. I don't personally believe you can have a lot of control over what kids are looking at online. But the important thing is to, I think you, you have to emphasize that, um, that that's not the whole world. That's not necessarily the way it is. That's not the, the way that you want to grow up. You want to have kind of a healthy perspective of sex and, and to appreciate it and feel good about it. So it's, it's encouraging them to have balance. And in a way, it's kind of just like drugs, right? You, you talk early and you talk often and you talk as much as you can. Yeah, I like that talk early and talk, talk often because I think some of that awkwardness and that you were mentioning and that uh, the impulse for a, the youth who wants to run out of the room in embarrassment is like the more they're exposed to the conversations yeah. about it, the more the less you sort of flinch at the mention of sex and sexuality. Um, I'm wondering if you and your your parent friends have ever talked about that part of parenting or compared notes on like, well, I did it this way and this is, you know, do you, can you lean on each other at all for, or is it, or is it still this conversation that's pretty kept separate from your neighbors and your friends? Cause you know, sex can also, sex talk can also be that be something we don't talk about outside of our house Mm. holds. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. And in a way, it's a little bit of both. Um, we've, we've been fortunate that our daughter was able to go to the same school right from JK right through and she's she's now in high school. Um, so she did have a certain core group of friends that she moved through school with. And naturally, because of that, we do get to know the parents of those people. And so we got 
some degree of insight into what kids are dealing with. And I have to say from observing um, this group of kids, I, I find them really impressive because what I don't see is, um, first of all, I think there's a, a complete acceptance that everybody is free to be exactly who they are and what they want to be. And if you're, if you want to be this this week, it's okay. If you want to be this something else the next week, and maybe, you know, maybe a month down the line, you change your name or something. And, mm -hmm. and I, what, what amazes me about that is I just find that so accepting and it kind of gives me some hope um, <laughs> for the future because I, I mean, I think we live in a world where, well, obviously there's a lot of people who are very, very uptight uh, about sexuality and there's a lot of repression about it. And, you know, even in Canada, we have real big divides. And in my life, I've been able to witness um, I mean, my life, my generation was, I think, pretty accepting of stuff, but um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say we we're fast learners. You know, it's just, just all this progress in, in these ways does take time mm. to have. So I think they have that going for them, that, that they, they are open to things and accepting of things and non-judgmental and really resent it when when people get any kind of label put on them, because that's just the way they are. So I, I found that pretty encouraging. Totally. It's interesting that that exists at the same time or, or is happening just shortly after the wave of kids that were raised on phones and tablets and technology. It's like, like when I think about my nieces, like I have a 20 year old niece and she's definitely more into the phone and the screen and the virtual life than her younger sisters who are sort of the kids that I'm hearing you describe right now that are, you know, posting on Instagram as well, but things about how, you know, you know, trans women are women too. And, and, you know, gender is dead. Exactly. Yeah. It's over, you know? So there's, it's interesting to watch how things are evolving, but also with this with this new component, which is like the online virtual side of um, not only like porn and in terms of sexuality, but like sexualizing themselves, sexting, mm. sending images, like all of a sudden there's all these legal implications mm. of behaving the wrong way, which it, the power is in their hands to do it, but it didn't, didn't, doesn't come or hasn't come so far with the same amount of education about how to not get into trouble, like le legally, mm. you know, for distributing child pornography when they send nudes of themselves to their, their, their friends and it gets spread around. Like, it's just, it's, it's evolving simultaneously in such strange ways to, to watch it interact is mm. just, I can't even imagine being a parent and trying to observe and gu and guide that, like from well, from I, I think you you hit the nail on the head when you said they're they're carrying this thing in their hands, and I, I sometimes wonder what a difference it would make if that phone you know, just just wasn't there because there's it, it's omnipresent it's they're just continually on it a lot. And there's, there's also, 
it's interesting that I, the, all of the cliches you hear that that young girls are under pressure to uh, put uh, put out pictures of themselves and to you know look pretty and uh, it's it's phenomenal to me, but it, it really has made a difference and. And it's the reality, it's the way things are now. And so when our attitude is that we can't really change the way things are. I mean, we've had those battles to, okay, it's nine o'clock, you got you have to take your phone away. Well, that might work when a kid is eight or nine, but mm. by the time they get into their teens, it's, it's like they're not surrendering that phone, I'm sorry. Mm. Um, so then it becomes a question of how do you, how do you get people to, to use the technology in a positive way? and hope that maybe 20% of what you say sinks in. Right. But I, I, I think it's like with all of us, I think that we all have to have the freedom to kind of make our own mistakes and learn by going along and maybe getting some of that negative stuff in terms of all the legal uh, um, uh, ramifications of it. I mean, yeah, that's, that's serious stuff. And, and that's where the education has to come in because um, uh, you, you just can't afford to make mistakes that way. Mm. And they're too, far too young to understand really that, oh, what do you mean there's legal implications to this? It's just like, I mean, when I was 15, I probably would have done it myself if I had had the opportunity. And I, I would have been thinking about, oh, you know, I'm going to get arrested for this or something. But Yeah. Well, too, it's, it's, a teenage girl, it was, it, I would have been exactly the same. It's just a way to fit in. It's like yeah. what everyone else is doing and yeah. to be accepted and to be, you know, included. Turn Me On Podcast will be back after this short break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I know that I know that when you speak to this, that you know you're. You're not coming at this from from a, a professional standpoint. Like you're 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 a father. You're a father speaking from a father's point of of a father trying to do the best that they can with the, you know, all the all the faculties that you have before you. 
what to other parents that might be listening to this and haven't really had that conversation with their children yet, what are some of the key things that, that you have taken away from this in terms of the thoughts that you've put forward when it comes to like having the conversation with your child about porn? Like one of the big things that, that you kind of touch on in the article is, is this idea of separating fantasy from reality. Um, can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I think that um, one of the realities of pornography is that it can, can paint this perfect picture where, um, you know, sexual gratification is there whenever you want it with whomever you want it. And that is what makes you happy. And I think it's important to, for kids to understand that, you know, that's not necessarily real. It's not true. It's an artificial image that you're getting and it doesn't reflect what um, the, the real world is. And I, I mean, I think any parent would want for their, their child, uh, boy or girl, that as they grow up and they go through puberty, that they um, have the opportunity to have healthy development and uh, with any luck in an environment that really isn't hurtful so that they in a very natural way can grow to be the, the person that they are and express their sexuality as they see it. And for, for some parents, they might not, they might, well, a lot of them will have trouble with that because a lot of kids don't necessarily fit into the, into the mold. I mean, you, you have trans kids, you have this, you have that. Um, and so again, it comes back to what I said earlier, whether it's drugs, uh, pornography, sex, anything, it's really important to talk early and talk often because the, that way you can really keep it top of mind with them. You're not sort of saying, hey, next week we're going to have this big discussion and it's really going to freak you out. It's it's like, yeah, like what are you watching on that show? Like what do you think about that? What do you think about the way those people were treated um, there? And it's I, I think ultimately every parent has to be accepting of of their child and really everybody else for that matter uh, in, in the manner which they express themselves to the outside world so that they can do it uh, to to be their own selves to share their own lived experience and and not worry about that and sometimes that's hard for a parent to accept you know like we we know parents who who maybe they've um, had a, had a boy or a girl for 10 or 12 years and all of a sudden they want to be the opposite. And, and so how does a parent react? To that? What, what does a parent do in that situation when the parent is of course going through some kind of emotional head spin over all of that? Because every, every parent wants, I guess, their child to, to be um, successful and fit into what they may perceive as a successful mold for people. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean obviously that the kid is going to feel that way. And so they have to express themselves. And one of the hardest things for, I think, any parent is to accept their, their child as they are and as they become, and as the person they become, as they grow older, it's just like almost, you know, you might, you might say, Oh, I've always wanted my 
he had become a, a physicist or, or something. And no, my, my, my kid wants to do ceramics. Mm-hmm. And so you have to say, okay, well, this is what this individual wants. And then, then the question becomes, how can we best support you in protecting yourself and having a, a safe space to develop as you develop your sexuality through those really critical years of 10 to 15, 16, 17, where, where how you develop and will really determine how you are throughout your life. And sometimes your attitudes that are developed then, if they are unhealthy, can really impact your life down the line because you might be chasing something that doesn't exist and that ultimately isn't giving you a great amount of satisfaction. Mm. I think that the other thing that um, is important is you got to sort of walk the walk um, for for your your child. I think, and, and this is, doesn't necessarily have to do with pornography, but I think it's sort of every aspect of growing up. You you have to try and be the best version of yourself you can be, and and nobody's perfect, and we all fall down. Um, at times, time to time. But as a parent, I think you have to kind of be conscious of that, that this person is looking to me to sort of see how to react and how to live your life. And, and are you truthful? Are you sincere? Do you really care about something? Or are you um, becoming angry just because this is an inconvenience for you and you don't even want to have to deal with it? And there's a million things that come up every every day with kids like that. Yeah. So, so it's, and ultimately that's what works for me. That's what we kind of say. My, my wife also writes articles for the CBC and, um, but we always kind of say, Hey, that's sort of what we do. That's what works for us. And that's not necessarily even the right thing to do. We just find that in our own way, that that's what helps us. And I think all parents have to kind of do that. You have to experiment and try stuff and try different strategies and see what happens. Like, look at your, look at your child. Is your child miserable? Then maybe you might want to adjust the game a bit. Mm. Um, did you have much of a, did your parents or the people who raised you give you much of a, a sex talk um, when you were growing up or were there any sort of uh, values, beliefs, um, that you, that you wanted to be sure you left behind you as you were raising your own children and supporting them in their development? Well, there's a lot there in that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, I think I, like most people, um, had parents who tried the best they could, you know, prob- probably, I think about grade six or seven, you know, that maybe the family doctor said, Hey, it's maybe it's time you gave him the book to read. Yeah. And so it's, so it's like, here's, here's your book. And, <laughs> um, but by that time it was sort of all, all known anyway. Right. So you had to kind of go into your bedroom and read the book and then come out and then say, well, do you have, do you have any questions? And <laughs> no, no, it's all pretty straightforward to me. <laughs> okay. So there's nothing you want to talk about. And um, so, no, no, it's, it's good. And so, but, but like any kid, right. And I'm sure you guys, it's, it's the same way. It's, it's like, I was first told about human sexuality by my 
grade four classmate, David Dick. David, <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but but it was just shock, you know, how can that be? But I think that's how most kids, most kids find out. And uh, um, but whichever way it happens, I think it, it's, it's good. But I, I think we all have stories, or at least I have a couple of stories of, you know, quote, professional people that my parents knew socially who, who I guess they figured my parents might be a bit inept at it. So they better get me to sex talk. And uh, so that those experiences were sort of a little bit bizarre because any, any adult who's giving a kid the sex talk is just going to frame it the way they see the world. And um, the, the couple of people who tried to give it to me were, were had very unique perspectives on things. And so that, that kind of said, okay, I don't want to sit down with any more adults for a sex talk <laughs> in a while. You know? um, that's, it's really interesting that you bring that up because we have a previous guest uh, named Carrie Isham who runs mm. uh, sex education trainings for parents as well as kids um, and other people who work with kids and right from like age two all the way up to grade 12, like from learning correct anatomical body part names to consent all the way up to gaslighting and, and porn and all of that kind of stuff from, you know, in an age appropriate way. And her opinion that she expressed in our conversation was it does not matter who delivers this information as long as they're comfortable doing it. Because mm. if you try to force this job onto a school teacher who like really doesn't want to get go there, who doesn't want to deliver that information to kids, then they're not going to get a good experience of the education. So she's like, I don't care if it's your gym teacher or the principal of your school or the minister at your church or your parent, but you know, someone's got to deliver this. Someone who's comfortable doing so has mm. to deliver this information. And um, she's a bit of a renegade. Like she, she's definitely um, a lot of parents sort of privately go to her classes. Like it's not, she's not in the, a lot of the school system to the best of my knowledge, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on, on that. Like, could you, if I say, who's the designated person in your friend, family, community that's going to lead the sex conversations um, for our youth? Do you, you're like, oh yeah, I know exactly who would be the best person for that in my life? Well, I, I guess it could be any number of people, but I, I, I really appreciate the point of it. It's like that education is important. It should be ongoing. I, I, I personally believe you just can't know enough about stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's really important, um, as well, but, uh, a lot of times, I mean, it will be the gym teacher who's up there who, who is sort of obviously just doesn't want to do it. And the kids hate the class and the teacher hates delivering it. And, and why is that? Well, maybe that's sometimes that's personalities. Maybe it's because it, um, in here in where I live in Toronto, it's also very political because there's a whole bunch of people in the school system who don't want their kids learning any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so even though this might be, you know, 10 or 15% of the people, um, they have a voice and it, it tends to diminish the whole program for the rest of the kids. I mean, I, I'm, I'm 
very, very supportive of the kind of stuff that you're that you're talking about or that your guest was a proponent and a practitioner of for sure. I I, I think that the more of that you can have, the better. Mm. Yeah, that that one point that uh, that you kind of touched on there, Brady, and and that you you also hit there, Craig, with the and and that Carrie really did a great job of of um of bringing up on the show is that there is no there is no age that's too early. It's just all about the the way in which it's delivered, you know. So like delivering that information in with language that is digestible and understandable for the person who's receiving it is is what matters and and you could start those conversations as early as three years old and continue those conversations and just watch them evolve as the language evolves with the human that's receiving the information and that's something that just stuck you know stood out to me and i I think is just so important um i'm never gonna you know i we don't have children we'll never have children but goddamn, conversations like this just make me feel like it's, it's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it's. I mean, it just. I. I. I would be. I. I. I can't imagine how terrifying it would be to be a parent, <laughs> knowing that at any point, anything that you say could just totally fuck the entire thing up. <laughs> so I. I. I commend people like yourself, Craig, who's you know out there thinking about these things and and trying to communicate about these things in ways that are very digestible for parents and giving parents a, a you know food for thought when it comes to having these important yet seemingly tough conversations with with your children and with and with you know other parents within your your social circle yeah well again it just comes back to that you know, talk early and talk often i mean in the in the context of drugs i was working on a series of films um, about drug education and one of the things that really jumped out at me was that it was recommended that as soon as a child can talk you start talking about drugs mm. and not making complex distinctions but just say you know there's really good medicine which helps you get better there's and there's bad medicine medicine that you know will make you sick mm. and so you start laying those distinctions early on and and really, it's it's the the same thing with the the porn. Uh, I mean, there are ramifications to kids who are watching pornography and acting out on it, and we see that. I mean, in other articles, I, I talked about STDs in kids. Mm. Um, it, it, there's there's just so much out there that you don't want them to be living that lifestyle for a, a number of reasons, but. Um, you know, unless that's their choice and, and they're, they're protected and they protect themselves. So mm. uh, yeah. it's a, it's a complex thing and every, every person is different. And when you're uh, the, the thing that amazed me, the, one of the things anyway, that amazed me most about being a parent is that the child you have, you have these um, visions of what it will be, but, but everybody is their own unique individual. Yeah. And there's nothing to say that, you know, that just because it's your child that you're going to have that kind of rapport or you're, you're going to be even compatible. Thankfully, in our case, we really are. And we are able to open up uh, channels of communication, but that's not always the case. So it's, it's a really tough thing. And who knows where where it uh, goes in the future, but uh, it's it's something that's a little bit different these yeah. days than it was when you 
on the bag of your magazines there. Yeah. 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 Well, again, the, the article is titled Kids Aren't Flipping Through an Old Penthouse Anymore. They're potentially watching hardcore porn. Uh, Craig, I, thank you so much for taking time to sit down with us and to to go through some of the contents of the article and to just give us a little bit of, gl- of a glimpse into your own personal life as a dad and, and the things that you're doing to try to, you know, raise the best child that you can raise. Um, it really does mean a lot. How can our, how can our listeners follow any of your other work? Um, do you, do you have a, a place where people can like pop yeah. in and, and follow your work? Yeah, I, I have a site. It's called media diner, all one word, mediadiner.com. And of course there's, uh, a number of articles up there on this TVC. I think there's probably about 25 now. Amazing. So there you go. But listen, I, I really appreciate the chance to chat with you both. Uh, as I say, I think you've got an amazing show and you're, you're talking about really important things. So keep, keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah, well, thank you very thanks, much. Greg. Yeah, thanks a okay, lot. Okay, have a great day. Bye-bye. How about that? How about that? Do you know what? When I was just um I was just taking a look uh at Craig's other titled articles. Yeah. And there's some really cool um there's really cool stuff in here. So he's got he's got titles like My Daughter Wants to Drive to LA when she's 16 and it's all my fault. <laughs> um My Daughter thinks a roaring 20s is coming, but I'm not so sure. Uh why I'm honest with my daughter about my past drug use. Hmm. What's a dad to do when mom and teenage daughter clash? So he writes quite a bit about that relationship. I wonder if he like, um, if he uh, gives his daughter kickbacks, you know? I don't know. Oh, like, does she get Yeah, you money? know, it's like you're... He, I'm going to write about you? I, I'm writing about you all the time. I, we're We're paying the bills under this roof, but uh, here's your... Here's a little boost to your allowance because if it wasn't for you, daughter. What do comedians I'm, do when they make <laughs> jokes about their yeah, families and loved ones? Yeah, is there some sort of some royalties for yeah. for uh, being I'm, shit on? I mean, yeah, there must be. Like, what's the consent piece like that? Because, like, when you write a book, you have to get legally. You have to get everyone's permission. Permission to like yeah. name them. I mean, you could change the name and a couple of. I don't think you need details. that as a comedian. But I, I've heard, a, you know, I listen to a lot of comedians through podcasts and stuff. I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy. And um, I've heard a lot of comedians talk about, like Bill Burr talks, he's talked at length about telling, having conversations with Nia, his wife, about making jokes about their relationship, relationship and her. Yeah. You know? And what's her react? Is she, have you, have you ever heard Bill Burr say like, I'm in the doghouse for no. this joke. No, no. No? No. Because he, I mean, he doesn't hold back. Either. No, he doesn't. But he's also extremely self-deprecating. And she's also sometimes on the podcast. She's right? on his podcast. Yeah. I haven't listened to his podcast in a long time, but yeah, she's, <laughs> she would, uh, she would make appearances. They've got, they're, they're pretty, they're a funny couple. Like they, they would be fun to hang out with. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah, really interesting conversation. And he, he seems like, um, you know, Toronto, I feel like Toronto's got a lot of those like older, cool parents. Right. You know, like, and like, we know some of those parents. Totally. Yeah. But, um, like when I look at Craig and what he's doing with his daughter, 
and I compare that to my parents when I was a teenager and like what they were like, mm-hmm. it seems very different. There's a very different sort of kind of vibe. Well, know? Craig, Craig's, Craig is younger than your parents, right? I would say so. He's got a teenage daughter, so he's probably a good 10, maybe 15 or 20 years younger than your parents. Maybe not that, because your parents are young too. My parents are kind of young. Yeah. What are they, 60? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm just thinking like the difference of a of slightly different era, but also in a more urban center. More urban center. You're going to get better yeah. access to just information in general and yeah. education. But it's nice. It's nice to speak to a parent like that and to see, you know, someone's out there. It seems like someone's out there doing it right. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's God knows, there's a lot of people out there not doing it right. Do you think that you could teach these things? Do you think that you could have these conversations pretty easily, say, totally. with, like, your nephews? Yeah, totally. You could put, you could put yourself in that situation. If and then- Natasha was like, I don't want to talk to the boys about sexuality and sex, mm-hmm. I need somebody else to handle that, I'd mm-hmm. be like, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. I'll have that with, I, I would gladly have that with them. Yeah. Yeah. What about just uh, the other day I heard a story about, um, I was listening to, uh, Justin Lay Miller's podcast actually, and his guest was saying that when she was in like junior high, she volunteered to teach the younger students sex ed, and and I think, and especially since we had that conversation with Carrie Isham, I was like, I wonder yeah. if I could just, you know, if I could play that role, if I could teach, if I could just go into schools and and teach that with the right tools, you know, and the right sort of training. Because what's the like? I mean, you asking me that, I'm I'm thinking, what is the what is the resistance there? Is it because people think it's going to be too weird? Well, I you know? think that most kids with their parents are probably going to be like, I would really Ew, rather not be wanna, having yeah. this conversation. Yeah. I don't want to put you and sexuality at all in the same, yes, in the same conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that would be my guess. And I feel like probably likewise for the the um parent because i think about having this conversation like say if i i thought about having it with my mom and even like i don't really like the thought of talking to my mom about her current sex life like sure like tell me stories Mm. about your past or whatever but like i don't really also want to put my mom or my dad like if you were still living i wouldn't want to be having conversations with them about. i don't want to know about my mom's sex life no. You know? <laughs> I do too. No, you don't. Um you don't. Yeah, your mom your mom is, is probably having a great time these days with the on, I don't in, know. It yeah on it, the d- scene. Who knows? Not in, not <laughs> not even interested in anything. No, the no. Idea of it. I mean, you know, I'm I'm sure she's having a great time, but not interested. So people have that same reaction. Yes, I get it. I to get the it. idea of But I, I didn't mean it that way. I meant more so like why would someone like me find it hard to have a conversation like that with someone like my nephews? Yeah. Well, I don't fucking care. I don't think you know until you're in the moment. Right. Like, what's your intro? You know, like, what's your, like, you, you know, you wouldn't want to just be thrown into that conversation without some preparation. No, I, I understand that. Um, but again, coming back to, what we learned from this podcast so far, you know, with conversations like Craig and conversations like Carrie Isham, 
just coming into that conversation with an understanding of what is the language that this young human like comprehends, understands, kind of clicks with yeah, and cater to that language. <clears throat> yeah. You know? a, a bit of it is like understanding what the age appropriate level yeah. of conversation is like, and would you know, like how the nephews, like if, if I was going to talk to Hudson, what? who's, right. uh, he's like going into first grade next year. So he's like five right now. Yeah. I, I would, I, you know, I wouldn't be like, Hey, let's talk about like body parts. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, yeah, body parts, that would make sense to me. Mm -hmm. But, like, I wouldn't be, like, getting into the intricacies of which body parts go where to, like, make a human. No. I would just be more so, like, hey, let's talk about, like, consent, and let's talk about your body and... When you want to give a hug and when you don't feel like giving a hug. Yeah, exactly. And, like, Mm -hmm. what, like, how do you tell people when you're not into the idea of being hugged? Like, Mm -hmm. what do you, what do you, how do you usually... how would you explain that yeah. to someone? Or how then, would you tell if someone didn't want a hug? Yeah, exactly. Like that those kinds of things. Yeah, totally. That, that would make sense to me. Yeah. Um, but the older boys, what do you think? That's oh, it? damn. I'd be like, all right, let's talk about masturbation. Masturbation. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about oral sex. Let's talk about penetrative sex. They're only 11, aren't they? Yeah, but I mean, it's not like they don't know. It's yeah. not like they don't know what that is. And if they don't, it's right around the corner. So it's like, yeah. pre- get the, yep, get them prepped. Be like, yo, you gotta, like, you should have a, a general understanding of this so that you know what it is, mm-hmm. so that you know that this is something that is like reserved for a special time. A certain, you know, like it's, it's not, it's not something to be like, take to, to be taken lightly. Yeah. You know, because like this is the time where it is that thing. It's like, mm-hmm. and again, it, to back to what Craig was saying, this is the time where, you know, he's 11, they're 11, they're yeah. 11 or 12. They're, they're watching, they are watching porn. Yeah. They right. are coming across like that's so hardcore crazy. pornography somewhere in their life. Yeah. Maybe not at home. Maybe it's like at a friend's house and like one of their friends was like, oh my God, look at what I found on the iPad, or like whatever. Yeah. So if they're going to see it, and they have zero context context, and then they see it. It's like, what does that, you know, how do the, how does their 11, 12 year old brain comprehend that information? If they have at least a, a foundation of like, you know, do you feel like it's worth your time having a conversation with Natasha about whether or not she's having those conversations? Uh, see, now that's, 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 where <laughs> that's I, the hesitation. Th- yeah. That's where, that's where I'm not so sure. Because I don't like, what's my place? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want to say I don't, I I do care. I do care about how those kids get educated about those things. But, you know, I don't know. Like, like if I, I feel like I wouldn't want to feel like I was imposing. But could you have a conversation with your sister? Hey, like, what's your approach to teaching your kids about sexuality? Yeah. That would be a really neat conversation for you to have because I don't know, you know, I, I shared, I, I sent an email to a bunch of, you know, my, my sisters and, and female friends, friends with children. Um, and Carrie Isham's, uh, Carrie Isham's like whole deal I sent their way. It was just like, I just feel like 
I can't not send this. It would be right. irresponsible to not send this. And I didn't. I, I heard back from Amy, but I didn't hear back from anyone else. And I thought that's fine. I kind of done my due diligence, but also, um, that my sister, uh, who has a, my young nephew, she said that she did one of the classes with her like three year old, and right. now he won't stop talking about vaginas. <laughs> right. Um, right. But she seems like. She's on. She's on board for that, yeah. for sure. It seems like it would be easier if you were handed this information at age two and been like, <laughs> uh, patrons, uh, you want to check out this moment on the video oh my God. of Donut just totally just hogging the entire camera. Dude. Hey, can you sit? Can you sit down? Patreon.com slash turn me on for some cute donut content. Yeah. Sorry, he cut you off there. I also don't remember where I was at with that, but. Wow, how infuriating for the listeners that were really engaged with whatever where was that saying. was going. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It would be most, the incentive would be there mostly if you get, get like a kid, if you had that Carrie Isham material, like when your kid was two, and then you could follow it their whole lives. It yeah. might be more intimidating to be, you know, because. If even if someone had pulled me aside in my family at 14 or at 16 or whatever yeah. and had an actual conversation that was like sex positive with me, it could have changed a lot of things. Yeah. And that's uh, totally, you know, like because I never had that. I had that with yeah. my mom. It was a very short conversation. And again, it was that thing where I was like, fuck this. How short can we make this? I'm out. Yeah. You know, I never had like an old I never had a. Like my my uncles were cool. I had cool uncles, but like they didn't live close. They were a lot older, you know. Like yeah. they were like the you know my parents' age. Where I guess, well, you know, I guess that's that's oh, you, Jesus Christ. With that is nephews. me. It's my nephews. Yeah, yeah. You're, I'm right. Yeah. Wow. I just said that as if I thought I was a 20 year old. <laughs> yeah. The fuck. I'm older than my sister. I'm older than her parents. <laughs> yeah. Than her fucking their fucking mom. Yeah. Um. But I do feel like a kid. Yeah. You know, and I, I think, think they, they also see, see me as a kid. Yeah. Uh, because I'm because I'm immature as hell. But do you so. know what? They probably don't. They probably see you as a grown up. That's really cool. Do you think? I don't know, man. I, I think honestly so. think that they think I'm fucking 10. No, because when I was that age, I definitely thought like everyone over 30 was the same age. But I would almost guarantee you that they think I'm younger than Natasha. Mm. Unless yeah, Tasha's really beat into their head that, you know, <laughs> Uncle Jeremy's my older brother. Right. I think they would look at me and go, well. He's got to be like. You're like, you bring girlfriends and wives to the house? Like, you've <laughs> got to be a fucking kid. Uh, let's ask them. Let's find out this Christmas. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, we'll, do a, we'll do an age, age guess quiz. Holy fuck. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, anyway, it was really fun. It was a really great conversation. I really like, I'm glad that we uh, got a, a moment to sit down and, and speak with Craig. Um, and again, a lot of his articles are uh, through CBC parents. Right. Um, so highly suggest you go to uh, check out some of his other articles at cbc.ca slash parents um, where they've got If you're a parent and you're looking for good content. Yeah. I mean, that's the place right there. Absolutely. Not to like shill CBC, you know, because I have some (laughs) affiliations with the uh, with the company. But but truly, you know, if you're looking for a good place, good resource. Well, if you're um, looking for 
a good resource on some TV shows. I'm about to tell you my two favorite shows that I'm watching right now or that I've basically binged and finished. Is this your uh, Just the Tips? This is my Just the Tips. I binged three seasons of Shrill in uh, two days. Oh, my God. What the fuck? Um, How how do you have time for this with school? uh, I don't know. Because I sort of study the anatomy while I'm exercising, and I can exercise while I watch television. Okay. And so, yeah. But Shrill, uh, have you heard of it? No. Um, I just brought it up here. It's already, it's been out for, you know, three, at least three seasons. Three seasons, seasons so it's yeah. been around. Struggling young journalist to is determined to change her life without changing her body. Mm-hmm. While dealing with an unreliable boyfriend sick parents and perfectionist boss she begins to understand that she's just as good as everyone else uh yeah and there are some really great producers behind it um uh the lead actor in the series i think you pronounce her name 80 80 bryant uh she is so good she's an executive producer of several episodes 13 episodes lauren michaels is an executive producer um and the characters are so fun the sex scenes are really hot and there are some really good performances like really excellent performances throughout and it's just like it's wholesome it's funny and yeah i just think i think it's worth binging for sure very cool okay um, and then the other show that I um, am binging, I think it comes out like three episodes at a time, uh, and it's called Sex Lives with College Girls. Have you seen this one? Sex Lives with College Girls? Of College Girls. Okay. Um, and the creators of I'm that- I'm afraid to Google that. I know. Okay, I, here we go. I got I, it. I saw someone reference it on Facebook, and they clearly didn't want to write the title of it, but they were like, that show, like, that's the college girls. Um, it's created by Mindy Calling and Justin Noble. Justin Noble is um, the both, well, Justin Noble is a writer on uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and Mindy Calling has Who done a ton of, of, of great writing as well. Um, and there, it's just... Yeah, it's got it's got the it's like, you know, the four college roommates that end up of, you know, misfits that end up together. And um, again, really like hot sex scenes in it and really, really funny dialogue. Cool. In in a lot of cases. So, yeah, it's been really fun to to binge. And where are you watching? Um, Great question. I don't remember. I know one of them is an HBO show. Yeah. Okay. Um, so probably Crave yeah. and uh, the other one. I'm not They're sure. both HBO. Oh, are they? So, yeah. 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 Very cool. They both rated really high on Rotten Tomatoes as well. So great. Yeah. Reliable. Across the board. Nice. Across the board. Positive reviews. Check it out. Uh, some f- holiday fluff. Yeah. Not, well, it's not holiday, but it's fluff you can watch <laughs> on, the ho- on the holidays. Cool. Coming up. I don't think I have just the tips. No. No. Um, yeah, actually I got to, my, just the tips is to take an afternoon and do a little bit of reading or podcast listening into what an NFT is. Oh, great. That would be my suggestion. I'm not enthused by this. I know, but listen, I'm, I'm only saying this because 
You don't I want think, me to get left behind. I di- yes. And I think it is an important thing to consider so that you at least have some sort of background on what the fuck is happening when the whole world. It's like it's like if my dad like this. All right. If someone had been like. Like when Facebook first came out and someone went to my dad, hey, listen. Um. Maybe take a moment to like Google, read an article on what social media means. Yeah. My dad would have been a little bit more prepared. Right. For that thing that before it existed was nothing. But then yeah. once it became an existence in our, in our lives, in our reality, it was everything mm-hmm. tied to fucking everything. And I think this is the same thing. I'm not going to go get all fucking crypto bro on everyone, but, (laughs) but might be worth just, just like watching, you know, it's a Johnny Harris on YouTube, really uh, amazing YouTuber who does a lot of like, um, he does a lot of like geography videos and stuff, but anyway, he's incredible. He used to work for Vox for a long time, but he just, he recently did a video that's like, what the fuck is an NFT? And it's a great explainer. Nicole Dubell was talking about it today on Instagram. I was like, she I am never. She just minted her first NFT. I just saw that. She what? She minted her first NFT. Okay, whatever that means. Yeah, she um, bought an NFT. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's... And she's great. And, and she's, she's also on the fucking cutting edge cusp of everything. That's you true. You know, like she's she's a smart cookie. Yeah. And it's uh, if if Nicole Dubell's on it, you know, it's it's kind of. Something's right around the corner, you know? I just saw it, and I had to go stand outside and look at a tree for a minute. I just had to go be like, I just need to know that it's okay, that I'm just here, and I don't know any of these things, and there's still meaning and a future to my life. There is. You don't need to know these things. You know, this isn't... The, but but it's like... It's... um I don't know. You know, it's it, it, there, there's a very high probability that these things will become streamlined in the way we interact with like the internet yeah in a way where you're you'll save yourself probably a lot of headache and getting to at least understand what it means anyway dude what the fuck ever this is so boring (laughs) i'm already asleep (laughs) well i feel like actually the only thing i really grasped from like the previous conversation we had about this is that there's going to be some really rare art that Jeremy really wants to own. And really nothing is new about that. And I just have to figure out how to procure this in the event of a gift, a gift giving situation, uh, because I no longer feel confident that a printed physical (laughs) piece of framed art would be uh, as meaningful. Yeah, I know. Uh, that being said, um, before we wrap this up, the holidays are coming and a lot of podcasts that I listen to, like stuff mom never told you. Um, and even things like, uh, not morbid so much, but, uh, God, I love morbid. I'm so I'm on it. Um, and my favorite murder, the girls are my favorite. And like even Brene Brown and even like, uh, well, I don't listen to Glennon Doyle's podcast, but I did listen to the one with Brene Brown because I will listen to anything that woman talks about. <clears throat> but people are talking about the, the holidays coming up and boundaries and uh, family of mm. origin 
trigger stuff. And it's interesting because, you know, traditionally the holidays have been sort of a time for me where I think I anticipate conflict. You and I were sort of talking about this in the car earlier, but I, f- I feel like anticipating conflict has been a part of my norm. Like grow- was a part of my norm growing up, you know, that yeah. sort of eggshelly feeling. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm at a phase in my life where I feel like I have the power to, especially now that my dad's passed and my grandmothers are passed to like invent some new rituals that are meaningful to me yeah. or to maintain the ones that are significant to me. Yeah. And, I don't know if I have anything more to say about that, but because we've been talking to our listeners and our listeners have been talking to us about rituals that are important in their relationships, I just thought maybe we could set a a, a generative intention for the holidays this coming season. So an intention of like, what do you want to feel this, or what do you want to include in your experience of the holidays. What do you want to include rather than what do you want to exclude or avoid? Are you asking me that? Yeah. Um, Is there anything that comes to mind? I want to... Hmm. I want to exclude work. Mm-hmm. So I would like to actually see what it's like to take two weeks off. But to do that, in order to do that, there's a lot of work that needs to happen to mm-hmm. make that happen just because of the nature of the work that I do. So I'd like that. I would like to include lots of quality time with friends and family, especially because I feel like over the last couple of months, I've been hibernating a little bit more than usual just for mental health reasons and physical reasons. Um. <clears throat> And include uh, some time to some like mindful alone time. Mm. Yeah. Because I feel like I, so I, <coughs> I started this medicine, Tricaptone, five days in. And I think I need some like quiet alone time to really feel how it's having an effect on my body. Cause it's, it, it is very, it's very subtle. I'm noticing it, but it's like in these really subtle ways and it creeps up on me where I go, Oh, Whoa. Interesting. I just, I just made this realization that like, this is different than what it used to be. But it's like, it's not like a, you know, it's not like ecstasy, you know, where you take you take some yeah. mo- molly and you go, okay, I can tell when I wasn't on the molly, and and now I can definitely tell when I'm on the molly, and those are two very different experiences. It's not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Which for some reason I think I had some sort of like thought in my mind that it would be sort of like that, like a very very easily defined difference between like pre and post trichafto. Um, so I'm starting to notice that it's much more subtle. Um, so I would like to take some time where it's like no work, no fucking relationship drama, no, 
you know, nothing. Just like just clear intentional time to just like really process what's what I feel different in my body. And what does that look like? Does that look like spending some days alone? Does that look like meditating more? Does that Honestly, I think like, you know, like I think I could I think I like I'm imagining just like taking 2 hours to just read a book. You know, like just to do things that are like really just detaching from any of the things that like have a real deep grasp on my my very fucking frantic chaotic somewhere on the spectrum ADHD kind of brain you know like i'm 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 a hamster on a fucking wheel 90% of the time i'm awake so to just kind of slow that down and like remove some of the barriers that are there i think that i think having some of that so like again that so yeah for the holidays, just like finding some like s- slow down time, slow down, it's actual time to like not be fucking focused on a thousand different things. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. What about you? Um, I would like to definitely let go of all those as much as I can. Just stay really mindful of that impulse to create conflict I guess where there is none or anticipate conflict where there is none and allow the possibility of it not being conflict and just easeful mm-hmm. um I want to be really present with people which I think I've been doing a much better job at <clears throat> right um I think school being a full-time student again has given me really nice parameters around my time because it sets everything into a bit of a routine, right? Like yeah. once you have, when you have that routine, it is, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that already know this or like don't even think about it because they're in it. But like as creatives or as like entrepreneurs. I haven't you, had a routine in a fuck, decade. Dude, same. Not since, not since my last yeah. educational program. So then once you have that, it, it really like, it almost, it almost in- incorporates boundaries that like yeah. naturally. Yeah. And then that just like gives you more permission to kind of be to be very intentional with your yeah. energy and your time. Well, the sleep, going to bed at the same time every night and getting up at the same time yeah, every morning without needing an alarm yeah. has been life changing because my problem was always like I can't end the day. There's always yeah. like I don't sit down in a day. I'm up, I'm moving. I'm going, I get home, I start doing things around the house and I am engaged and I'm enjoying things. But it was always really hard for me to like sit down at the end of the day and like watch a show or get into bed. And now that it's just like, oh, well, it's it's eight or eight thirty. It's time to wind down. Yeah, there's there's infinitely less options for what I'm going to do next. It's like maybe I'll take a bath. Yeah. Maybe I'll get sit down in my bed, read my notes, fall asleep. Like, and I've always been a good sleeper, so I'm I'm taking that totally. I'm not taking that for granted. But uh, but yeah. So so more of that, so I can just be really present. Like, I think I'm probably gonna do a total Facebook and Instagram like quiet nice. time. Nice. Um, 
because I really don't need to see just a ton of other people's holiday photos. <laughs> yeah, right. I just, it's so mindless when I get on there still. Yeah. And like, I try to, you know what it's like when you pick up your phone, you're like, I'm just going to check this one thing. And then it's, you know, forever. Spirals. Or so. Yeah. yeah. Right Taking right. a break from drinking has been really nice. It I, has. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to see how it feels as we get closer to the holidays. Cause like I said last week, like I, Admitted last week, it's hard for me to like rein it in or just have one drink. Yeah. Um. So, if any other non-drinkers out there have any good recipes that aren't too like, first of all, aren't laden with dairy and aren't full of total sugar, like a nice holiday beverage that I can indulge. And I don't like beer, so something like fruity, like a virgin sangria or something like that. I don't. So that I can still go to parties and feel fancy. Yep. Um, yeah, that's my answer, I think. Sweet. Well, let us know what your plans are for the holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love to hear it. Turn me on podcast at gmail.com. Send it our way. Uh, what are you looking to, to have more of, less of? We'd love to hear it. And uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash turn me on, where you can watch the video uh, portions of our aftercare or foreplay segments <sighs> and uh you could also uh leave a rating and review on apple Podcasts or hit the follow button on spotify those things mean a lot as well uh folks thanks for tuning in we love you all sure especially do. our patrons mm-hmm. and uh we'll be back again next wednesday i think we got one more episode and then we're going to take those two weeks off um and and hit you with some like oldies so we'll, we'll put something out every week but it'll just be a, a sort of replay from from a time long past um and uh and after that break we'll be back um the first week of january so um which is your birthday our first episode back in the new year will be january 5th fucking a 34 what's up uh so yeah have a good week everyone we'll see you next week before we take a break thank you so much that is it for this week and until next week go touch yourself Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.